Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to One Patriot Place here on Ironic Radio, part of the WBLZ Radio Network. You're on the air with Stephen Murph. As always, we are One Patriot Place. Uh, we are One Snowy Patriot Place today. <laughs> you can also find our podcast on the fullpresscoverage.com website. We encourage all of our buds and listeners to check out their wonderful coverage of the Pats as well as our own. So with that in mind, let's talk about Sunday night's football game between the Patriots and the Houston Texans. I want to get the green man. First, I want to welcome him on, and then we'll get his take, opening take on what his big takeaway from the game was. So take it away, Mr. Green Man. How we doing, bud? I'd be doing better if I didn't have to go out and shovel a bunch of snow yesterday and today. Yesterday and today. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm okay with a day, but two days in a row. And after shoveling the shit for the Patriots for the, you know, the 24 <laughs> hours preceding that. <laughs> and there was a lot of yeah. poop to shovel. Yep. There really was. There really was. The The final score is not indicative of what this no. game was at all. Um, no, no, tired of no. People and talking I've, I've about, heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. I, I got some hate messages saying, how could you say they were dominated when they lost by six points? And I was like, because we've said this a million times with the Patriots when other teams close the score and they right. make it seem closer than it was. And we were like, what do we call that stuff? Garbage time. Garbage time. Stats. That's it. <laughs> and no, that's the, what the that Houston, stuff was at the end. Not yep, that, Houston hey, got into a prevent and yep. and then, you know, they, they almost prevented themselves and, from winning. Yeah. <laughs> As we've seen time and again, you know, that yep. was, when Romeo Cornell was the defensive coordinator here with the Pats, that was mm-hmm. the only thing I ever had exception with because he would call a great game yep. for 50-something minutes. And then at the end, after they've totally shut down a team, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we need to lay way back and prevent the big play. And yep. if there's one thing the Patriots can't do this year, it's the right. big play. So There's why are you here to do it? About? They can't throw oh. the ball down the field. They don't have any team nope. speed. But what Murmio did and Bill O'Brien is they opened that door just a crack. And mm-hmm. Brady, Edelman, and James White took advantage of it. And again, yep. I mean, if that bouncing onside kick from Jake Bailey was maybe two or three inches oh. lower. Patriots win that game because Brandon Bolden has it's nothing short. but green in front of him. <laughs> <clears throat> no kidding. I mean, he made a great play, he and he got his hand on the ball, but it bounced just a, a tad too high. Yep. If he and if he hadn't he just, jumped, he might have run, run under it. 
you know, but he just he just timed the jump and it just just ticked his finger and fuck. Yep. Because <laughs> uh, and the the Texans almost threw that game away because they yep. dominated that game for fifty minutes and what was it? Uh, seven seconds because the Patriots yeah. got the ball with nine fifty three yep. left, and then they went into that prevent and they uh, went into that prevent. No, and they my, almost my prevented issue. them. Yeah, they almost prevented themselves from winning, and it would have been beautiful, and I would have been all on board with the the talking heads the next day talking about how lucky the Patriots got because it would have been true, <laughs> yeah. you know, for once. For it once. would have been true, um, and it was. It was all garbage time stuff. It was garbage time stats. Um, you know, the the fantasy football players out there really loved it. Tom came through for them in the third and fourth quarter. This was not, you know, um, Super Bowl. Nope. level comeback nope. stuff that that's that's not what this was um it was a terrible game plan from the get-go uh i thought i tweeted out that that um uh, mcdaniels was um too unimaginative but not unimaginative enough and, um, <laughs> now what i what i meant by that was he's still him and tom are still expecting these kids to know you know they the 17 different things that you're supposed to do on a route in New England in this playbook. And you can see that, you know, this is not walking into being a a wide receiver in Seattle or in, you know, New Jersey or in, you know, Texas. It's just, it's not, you know, these kids do not know where to be. They don't know where to go when Tom breaks the breaks the pocket uh it, it happened time and again what was working at the beginning of the game they went away from and that's what really ticked me off was the fact that well, the run game was working they were setting up play action and it, it and then they just went back and started slinging it what you're not gonna let me get a word in here you know no, I, no, I, go I, ahead. I just i disagree with that now when you're talking about the kids yeah to yep. a degree that's true um you know, after rewatching the All-22, the reason they got away from it is the, the Texans started creeping their linebackers into the box. So right. they, had the, they had the idea, okay, maybe we can throw down the field, you know, because it's going to open up something. But, you know, when I look at the veterans, the guys who've been on this team, guys who've been in the league for several years, you know, Philip Dorsett in that very first drive, that's the Chris Hogan play at the back of the end zone. How many times did Chris Hogan catch that for a touchdown yep. in his, his years here? That is like a staple of this offense. So why does he stop running? I mean, Tom <laughs> throws it exactly where right. you're supposed to be, and he stopped running. And everyone's like, oh, running. Brady's all upset, and he threw the ball away. No, he didn't throw it away. He threw it where Dorsett was supposed to be. And then, you know, later in the game, he does that little thing with his finger. And, uh, you know, like pointing down, like, okay, go deep. Yep. Like, how many times have we seen him do that with Edelman? We've, we've done it with Gronk. Yep. And Dorsett stops. He and stops. Brady throws it. And they're like, oh, that's a terrible pass from Tom. Mm. Uh, no, that's mm. a terrible route. And, he, you right. know, another time, I, and again, Myers, I get it. Myers is a rookie. Brady's pointing to him, like, go deep, go deep. When he, scheduled, <laughs> uh, when he scrambled out of the pocket. Yep. And. Myers stopped. He yeah, he stopped. Yeah, he stopped. Just stopped. You know, that, when your quarterback's pointing, go deep, go deep. 
That's where he's going to throw it. But anyway, I want to get our guest who's on the line with us. <laughs> our guest is on the line with this, and we've been talking. But uh, anyway, I, I disagree with you with the McDaniels thing. I, I I think he's, you know, scrambling for answers because this wide receiver group, to me, other than They ran for 11, four yards of carry in the first half, Steve. That's it. Go ahead. Bring Mark in. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Yes. On, on that, that note. note is our guest. Mark Schofield, the, who I call the quarterback guru. So we, I want to get his take on this. And Mark, welcome back to the to the podcast. I'm anxious to hear what your take on this game was, and <clears throat> we'll see where we go from there. Well, it's always a blast to be with you guys, Murph and Steve. I always love coming on. Uh, unfortunately, I have to convene under these circumstances when it seems like <laughs> the end is nigh and it's time to just give up hope and abandon ship because this is a sinking Titanic that has been struck by the glacier of doom. And that's what it seems like in New England right now. I mean, look, you know, I, I said this post game on my show that. No, this is where we were week 16 last year. You know, it was a different set of circumstances somewhat, but, you know, that week 16 game against Buffalo last year, I remember sitting down and saying, guys, I know they just won, but I don't think this offense, I don't think this passing game is good enough to do anything in the playoffs. I certainly don't think Mm -hmm. it's good enough to win a road game in the playoffs. They haven't been a good (laughs) road team. This team is awful. I don't think they're any good. And what, a month later, we're talking about a Super Bowl championship. And and so things can change quickly. The weird thing is, you know, this time last year, even when we were saying stuff like that, even when I was saying stuff like that, you had in the back of your mind, look, they've got – 12 they've got 87 they can figure this out when they need to by the time they need to i don't have that same sort of lingering hope in the back of my mind right now and i think a lot of patriots fans are sort of struggling with that aspect because at least last year you could say look they've got things they can do it's just a matter of putting it all together now sort of the flip side to that is the defense was starting to get good at this time last year. We know it's good now. So maybe that gives us some hope. But when it comes to the offense, I think we're just hoping if they can get be good enough, if they can be complimentary, if they can be above average down the stretch, which might be good enough for this team to get to a Super Bowl. But it's just a weird feeling right now because we're seeing the offense struggle. And don't – I know there are those that are – Again, running to get their shovels to throw yet more dirt on the grave of Tom Brady because they've worn down that shovel. It's got like the notches at each hand where they grab the shovel that have been worn down basically to the iron from 2000, say, nine because they've had those shovels and they've been using them so often to get that dirt back into his grave. And they've been wearing those shovels down for a while and eventually they might be right and they feel like they're right right now, but. Like you were saying, Steve, you watch the all 22 of this game. I don't come away from this game thinking Brady's done. I don't come away from this game thinking he's hit a cliff. I think he's near a cliff, but he's certainly not gone over it. He's still out there throwing ropes. You look at that game against Dallas, the third and 20 conversion to Edelman, where he slides to the left in the pouring rain and throws an absolute bullet on third and 20, a throw I couldn't make with a driver off the tee right now. (laughs) So don't give me the fact that Brady's done. No, it's... They're struggling to piece together an offense. And the final thing I'll sort of mention, and then I'll shut up for a minute. The no, offensive no, line is please. not as good as it was <laughs> last year. 
look, no. last year, this offensive line was such a cohesive, dominant unit to the point where when this season started, people were thinking even with sliding, you know, Isaiah Winnett left tackle for Trent Brown, this might be the best offensive line in football. They're struggling. The loss of David Andrews has hurt them. The loss of Ted Karras is going to hurt them as well, depending on how long he's out. Shaq Mason mm-hmm. is not playing like Shaq Mason right now. He is struggling. It is mm-hmm. awkward to watch, but he is definitely struggling both run game and pass game. Marcus Cannon is sick. He was a turnstile at times, but it's probably because he was sick. They're trying to figure out the offensive line too. So they've got a lot going on right now, but this was the stretch we thought would be tough. This was a stretch that many people thought they'd go two and two during this four game stretch or three and one, which is what I thought. And they'd lose down at Houston. They're three and one in this stretch right now. And they've got Kansas city come to town. It could be a completely different story a week from now, but it just feels weird. And now I will. Yeah, show no, and, and again, I mean, I agree with you with the offensive line. Although I thought on Sunday, the offensive line played pretty well. They, they, yeah, they had mean, a they, lot of, they played it, well. I mean, I, I think oh, they had great. some misses. Uh, Mason had some misses. Those are going to happen. I think they were better, but I think just overall this season, they haven't been the kind of group they they were last year. And Brady has been under duress. I think he had more time. The problem was, it's one of those things where, you know, the idea of pass rush and coverage from a defensive standpoint, working in concert, Brady had time on Sunday night. It's just, where was he going to go with the ball? Like there are times that nobody's open. open. And to, to Murph's point about McDaniels, I think there were things McDaniels could have done. You know, when you see in the first half of that game that they are going to double Edelman and they're going to mm-hmm. use a cornerback on White, then you do some things, put them on the same side of the formation, run them into the boundary, let them go man-to-man coverage on the backside to the you. field, give you some options with space to create favorable one-on-one matchups. Now, did they do enough of that? I don't think so. So there no, were no. things that McDaniels could have done, but guys got to get open. You know, guys yeah. going to run the right route. Guys going to be on the same page <laughs> yeah. with their quarterback. And look, I'm not going to, you know, second guess Tom Brady, you know, on route concepts and route conversions. The guy knows what he's doing more than I do. I'm just a hooplehead and a microphone. Bravo. Right. And, and uh, but, you know, when I, when again, you look at the tape and I mean, you know, that first drive, they, they yeah. moved the ball well down the field now on that third down. I mean, that's just been a staple of this offense yeah. forever. We saw with, you know, Chris Hogan. He runs the back of the end zone right in front of the, you know, the boundary there, at, uh, you know, or, or on the seam of the end zone. And he and that play was wide open. Yeah. That play was wide open. They they, they schemed it up perfect. And he stopped and running. It didn't and he stopped yeah, running. He stopped yeah. running. Yeah. But you know when I when I look at the offensive he looked, line, he looked just, like me. He looked like me forty yards into a hundred yard dash. He yeah. just you know <laughs> there he just stopped running. Nah, fuck it. Yeah. Not going no, any yeah. further. Well, and, and that Tom, is yeah. That play ahead. is like you said. It, it's a staple. It's it's basically why follow where you know he's running that sort of toggle route at the back of the end zone. It, it's you know Tyler Boyton, I think it was put up. The side by side, because Brian Baldinger, he broke that down. I think that popped up this morning. You know, we recorded this on Tuesday. And Tyler Boynton put the side by side of an Amendola touchdown on this against Jacksonville in the AFC Championship yep. game and Dorsett. And you're supposed to just feel the leverage of the nearest defender and break in or out. You don't sit down. 
and you watch this play, the nearest defender, he's on the A. They're in the end zone that says Texans. Dorsett is on the A, which is just to the right of the goalpost. The nearest defender is on the N. I think we can all spell Texans. We're not, you know, Teddy, Teddy, <laughs> right? you know Bradshaw here. You know, we can know we get to run to the X and not sit yeah. on the A. Yeah, and he stopped. He stopped, you know, he stopped at the X where he should have been going between the T and the E. Yeah, you know? exactly. And that's where Tom throws the ball. And that, to me, you know, I, I just I think just, for a veteran wide receiver, that's the – Yeah, this is I, at 16 no doing this. This is at 15 doing this. You know, guys that are no, just right. alerting this offense. This is 13 doing this who, I don't know, was acquired by this team two, three seasons ago. Yeah, And I remember sitting down for my very first episode of Locked on Patriots. You know, this was, yeah, three years ago now. And I said, it probably won't be that tough for him to learn this offense because you look at what Indianapolis does and the naming conventions, there's going to be some similarities. Man, did I whiff on that one? At least it looks like it right now because he can't figure this out. It did on Sunday. I I still, I like Dorsett. I like the move. I thought it was a good trade. And he... He did. He just stopped. I, I don't. I don't get it. You, normally, he, he's he's a fantastic guy to move the chains, and it it, it, just, it didn't work out that that play. It didn't work. The entire team looked a step slow and a step stupid I, on Sunday, and I don't know other, how much of that was the flu or yeah. whatever. It was just a step slow. And I that, mean, you that remember that movie to, Varsity Blues, where oh yeah. you know. Dawson takes everybody out, Drake in to, you know, celebrate the back, the starting quarterback knee, getting out of surgery, yep. and they're hung over, and they play awful, and, you know, Bud Kilmer comes into the locker room played by John Voight. He's like, I hope it was fun. I hope it was yep. fun, whatever you did. You kind of get that feeling. Just It was the <laughs> flu, so it probably wasn't fun, but you get that feeling that they were just feeling awful this entire week. Yep. And maybe some of the coaches, too, because it looked like they got out-schemed, out-coached, out-played. <laughs> And maybe it just was the flu of death. And look, they were out in the cold, in the rain on Sunday night. Probably wasn't the greatest elements to play in that Dallas game. Maybe there was something to that. I don't know. But they just they just didn't seem like a team that was ready to play on Sunday. And no. the fact that they only lost by six at the end, and they had a shot at the onside kick, maybe we should be yeah. taking some positives out of this game, even though it doesn't yeah. sound like it. Well, Murph and I were talking about that just before you came on because, I mean – that was a beautiful it was beautifully done by Jake Bailey. I mean yeah. they got a that bounce just like you want. It goes over that first line of, you know, guys from the Texans. And if that ball was maybe two or three inches lower, Brandon Bolden has a lot of green. He could have caught that in the air. Yeah. And he has I, a lot of green in front of him. He he might have scored right there. He might have if nothing else, if they recover that, you have to think that they score. I mean, given how they had just gone down the field. And that was the, the other thing, that sort of touchdown drive before that second onside kick. Sort of a lack of urgency, you know, mm-hmm. especially at the start of that drive. With I understand you're backed up, so you run the ball in the first play. But they ran the ball a couple of times. It just seemed like everything was off in this game, you know, from the mo- – and, and the play that really stuck out to me was right before halftime. When they had to punt, you know, they decided not to go for it on fourth down. They punt, they pin them deep. And it's clear they're in victory formation. The Texans are going to kneel on this. They have to burn a timeout because they don't have enough guys on the field. Like, that's something you don't see from a Patriots team. 
and Belichick sitting there burning the time out. It's like they just weren't in it almost from the snap, which is a shame because the game started the way you would have hoped. You stop them, you get a three and out, you go right down the field, the drive stalls, mm-hmm. but yeah, you get three points. You're still thinking, all right, things are going well. And they don't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Well, no. As soon as they settled, well, it, 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 settled it, it, for I three. Didn't. I had a couple of real head scratchers that I thought in this game. And the first one was when they scored the first touchdown, they line up like they're going to go for two. Oh yeah. And and then Brady sees something that he didn't like, or it it wasn't going to work. So instead of calling timeout, they let them, they let the play clock run out inexplicably. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to kick the extra point. And now, honestly, I thought I, 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 it went through my head at that point in time that Brady thought that he wanted more room for people to work with there, and and they were still going to go for two even after the penalty. I, I, I it was completely moronic to to let the clock run out there and then try to to run a kicker out there that hasn't kicked in in seventeen years. And, and yeah. <laughs> go get the, the extra point. <laughs> right. And, and they had all three it. timeouts, too. Yeah. You know, so and it's not you're... a situation where you're already a burned a timeout. You want to save at least two for the fourth quarter. You had all three. Just burn it. And you Just you have it. to wonder, again, you know, if that was five yards closer, would the, the kick have yeah. snuck through? It, it certainly yeah. might have. It looked like it. You know, it's... It was close enough where you could at least make the argument. Yeah. And and then the other thing that you know that I still I get it. Nikhil uh, Harry made a blunder. He was he ran a really lazy route. He didn't do a good job of boxing off the the corner. The play gets picked off. But he's a rookie. He's a and he's not an undrafted rookie. He's your first round draft choice. I thought the very next play that they got the ball back, they should have trotted him right out there and thrown him yep. the football. Because then right. he he went to Siberia after that, and he you know I, they said he played ten more snaps in the game. I never saw him. He never was targeted, but I thought that was a huge mistake. And you can't do that to a rookie who you just invested a first round draft pick in. I think that's that was a really bad move. Whoever made that call, be it Belichick, McDaniel's, or Brady himself, I thought that that was a big mistake on their part. Because that's how you can ruin a kid's confidence. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think sort of freezing him outside the Brady circle of trust was a bad thing to do because you're going to need this kid down the stretch. It, it's clear that they're going to need his ability. If nothing else, those back shoulder throws along the boundary and in the end zone are critical because let's look at it. This is a bad red zone team. And you sort of have to wonder about the influence or lack thereof of Chad O'Shea, who was their sort of red zone offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. Now he's down at Miami. And this was a team that even last year had its struggles in the red zone. You know, I I think somebody was Dave Archibald in the the Scotia Slack channel during the game. You know, he said something to the effect of when it gets to be like first and goal from the five, it feels like an automatic three point. You know, it, it, you don't have confidence that they're going to get a touchdown because it seems like they have nothing that they can do. They don't run the ball well enough where they can just run it four times and be assured of a touchdown. You know, they don't have the confidence in some of these receivers. And if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you double Edelman, you bracket Brady, and you'll take your chances. I mean, you bracket right. White, and you'll take your chances. And so 
you know, they're going to need Nikhil Harry's ability in sort of those red zone fades, those back shoulder throws. So they got to get him involved. They got to keep his confidence up. I think more into like the second and second half, late third quarter, fourth quarter, when they went more of their attempt at tempo and their 11 personnel stuff, it seemed like they were more reliant on, you know, Dorsett, Edelman, and Myers as the three wide receivers. Maybe that was a game plan thing. But early in the game, even after that interception, when they were running their, you know, two tight, you know, the two tight end package that they had or the two running back package that they had, my Harry was a part of that. And then they sat him down or they got away and from it. Him. And that was frustrating because you got you're gonna need this kid down the stretch because we know what defense is gonna do. We always talk about blueprints in the New England Patriots and how to stop them. Houston kind of showed a good thing that you can do against them. And so you're gonna need guys to win one on ones. And Harry can do that, at least with his size and physicality. Now, I want to flip it over to the other side and the piss-poor effort that was put in by the best um, defensive back core that I've seen in a very long time, and I'm going to emphasize this with some numbers. Uh, Hopkins, 27. Stills, 35. Johnson, 15. Aikens, 19. Now, the only person that, that really got shut down was the person that I was really worried about in this game, and that was Wolf Fuller. He had one reception, and the long was eight. All those numbers that I uh, rattled off there were their longs for receptions. Um, this does not happen to this team. It, it really doesn't. It, it hasn't happened all year long. You know what was what was the reason that they were able to do so much uh, after after the catch? I, I put it down in my keys that you know this team cannot allow yak on Sunday and that's exactly what they did they were not the the those numbers I was throwing out they they weren't 27 air yards they weren't 35 air yards they were 7 and 14 and 8 and and they were turned into this what was what was do you put it back to the to the flu that these guys just couldn't get anybody down I mean I think that could have played a role in it. You think of the yak catch, for example, with I believe it was Fells along the right sideline where Chun missed the tackle. Like yep. you do sort of wonder about Chun's health anyway, you know, because he has had he's had the heel and the chest injury. And, you know, he was listed as questionable, I believe, with the illness. And so he was probably sick. That might have played a role there. I, I think part of it was New England seemed to be, and this might have been flu influenced as well, but they were very wary of the speed with Fuller and some of these other guys, they played more zone. They played more too high. And anytime Deshaun Watson saw zone, he thought, look, I've got opportunities to make plays against these guys downfield. You know, when I see that Stephon Gilmore is aligned over stills on the left side, and Hawkins is in the slot running the dig route in front of the two deep safeties, I'll take that every single day. And then when they went to man coverage stuff, that's when they got Johnson, you know, against Van Noy, and they were able to isolate some of the linebackers at times in, in coverage. They got, you know, it was a defensive pass interference on a Landon Roberts, for example, where if, if Watson saw a man, he was going to look to his, his running backs underneath. And so I think that sort of worked in their favor. You know, when they went to more man coverage in the second half, they had some opportunities downfield. Fuller almost had that touchdown, shades of glory comment in the back of the end zone that, you know, Jones made a great play to Blake break up and rake the ball out at the catch point. But the very next play, he got beat by Stills on the vertical route for the touchdown. Jones, I've been sending his praises all season long. I think people have been as well. He had a bad game Sunday night. He got he beat a couple of times, and that was tough to see. But, uh, you know, I, I think this was a game where, Houston did everything right. 
And I hate to say yeah. it, but it seems like Bill O'Brien and Romeo Cornell, they outcoached New England. They outcoached Belichick and the Belichicks. They outcoached Josh McDaniels on the defensive side of the ball. And again, goes back to, look, they were outplayed, outschemed, outcoached. It, they were just beaten in every facet of the game. And they still, a sick team, beaten in every facet of the game on the road, was an onside kick recovery away from potentially winning it. Yep. I'm trying to be positive, guys. I'm trying yep. to find some silver lines, man. Go no, ahead, in Steve. fact, you know, one on defensive side of the ball, I thought one of the big positives was the run defense. And, you know, yeah. before the game, we we were kind of worried about, you know, guys like Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson being able to run, you know, against the Patriots uh, defense. And I thought Lawrence Guy and Danny Shelton had another fantastic game. You know, yeah. inside, uh, I think they had, I want to say it was like 52 yards rushing on 23 carries, yeah. which was, I thought they did an outstanding job of that. Uh, yeah. You know, Unbelievable. I, if, I, if we had said that last week at this time, that they would have that kind of game, I would think this is a, they can chalk it up as a win. Right. I mean, if, if they had, if they had somehow pulled out that game, Lawrence guys getting a game ball. I, I thought he was fantastic on Sunday night, and he's been fantastic all week. Like you said, Steve Shelton as well. I thought it, our continued search for silver linings here, second and seven, Houston's second drive of the game. They go to that diamond pistol look. It's the one that they had the touchdown throw on later in the game, but they just run hide inside, and he gets stopped almost immediately by Roberts. I thought thinking big picture, that was a huge play because what did we see so many times from Baltimore, right? That same diamond pistol look where they've got the inside zone ISO look and then the potential to run speed option off of it to the edge with Lamar Jackson. That gave New England fits in that Sunday night right. loss. They seem to figure out, at least against Houston and their version of it, how to stop it. So that's big going forward. But I thought the run defense was good. You know, if like you said, if you were to tell me that, you know, they only had 52 yards rushing this game, I'd have thought, well, hey, I will take that because I don't think that their passing game is going to be that good to you know hang 30, 28 points on New England. And, well, I guess it's just except 452 <laughs> that I'm just an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that would have been the three of us then because I, I would have thought the same thing. I would have taken that every single day. That's fine. What did you think of, of the, the defense's efforts to contain Watson? Um, on Sunday, I, one of my first keys to the game was, was to crash and contain. He, they did end up getting him to the ground three times, but he, he seemed to be able to move outside of the pocket and make things happen. Were you disappointed in that? I mean, disappointed in the sense that you'd hope to be able to get that done. But at the same time, like sometimes you got to tip your hat and call the Yankees your daddy quote Pedro and Watson's <laughs> a tremendous athlete Watson is a tremendous yeah. quarterback and look Collinsworth said it at the time and it's true like that John Simon like missed sack opportunity was a huge yep. play and mm. Simon I love him I think he's had a tremendous season and he was home he just couldn't wrestle the guy to the ground and Watson's a big strong dude and you know sometimes guys just make plays too and you know I, I think that you know, you got to give credit to Watson for the game that he had. You know, he's a tough, competitive kid, and it's a reason why I loved him coming out. It's a reason why he's my top quarterback in that class. Um, yep. He had a, a fantastic night. Um, if if this these teams meet again down the road, you know, I, I think that would be a situation where if you just get him to the ground once, if Simon gets him to the ground there, maybe it's even a different game. 
Um, but he had a fantastic night. Yeah, it did. It came down to a couple of plays and in, in, you know, three or four different plays. And it seemed like the Texans came out on top of every of all four of those plays yeah. on Sunday. And it showed at the end, because when you look at the box score, when you look at the garbage numbers that, that got put up, not garbage numbers, the garbage time numbers that put up, you would have thought that the Patriots won this game. You, you yeah. really would have, because everything else was was in check with, it, with the exception of the score. Um you know, Tom threw what you can't call a bad interception because in Kale Harry learned that you, you just can't look for a defensive back with your ass. You just, yep. you can't do it. Not at this level. They're too fast. They will just move out of the way. And what you were able to get away with in college, you can't get away with here. Do you agree with that one? No, I, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I'm very curious now to see his snap counts and his usage this week um, yep. because if he plays another 10, 12 snaps, I'm going to be really frustrated. You know, if he plays like 30 snaps or something like that, I'm going to feel like, okay, this is opportunity for him to yep. like learn the lesson. And you're going to make mistakes as a rookie. It's unfortunate that it's a game against Houston, which was a pivotal game, made all the more pivotal by Baltimore winning earlier that day, that it gets magnified. If this had come, say, two weeks from now against Cincinnati in a meaningless 38-7 to win, nobody would really care but it just gets magnified on the big stage. But I think going forward, provided they use it as a learning lesson for him, it's going to be a huge part of the growth process for a young wide receiver. And we didn't even know how much they'd rely on him this year to begin with. You know, at the start of the season, many of us, I remember being on with you guys thinking they'll use him out of the slot at times as a big slot. They'll use him on some designed gadget plays. They'll try to get him the ball in space, but with the rest of the guys that they have, yeah, with the rest of the guys they have, they won't need to rely on him. Now they need to rely on him because Dorsett's struggling. Edelman's getting quadruple teamed at times. They don't have anything really at the tight end position. James White is getting bracketed at the times. And Sanu seems to be dealing with the ankle injury of death. And so they can't, they got to rely on these rookies, one of whom was a former quarterback and an undrafted rookie free agent. So it's not the ideal situation, no. but – this is the situation they find themselves in. Yeah, this this may be the um, I, I want to put this the right way the the least athletic um, wide receiving core that Tom's ever had to to go into the playoffs with. There's been a lot of shuffling yeah, it, during the year, different guys in and out, but the, there just doesn't seem to be that third guy that is going to get open on every single play no matter you know no matter who you're facing when Tom schemes something up and sees what the defense that he's he's looking at there, he's always been able to bunch people to put somebody in motion find out where the weak spot is supposed to be and then be able to um count on that person being in the right place at the right time and whether it's you know time spent in the system or you know just a step slower than guys were in the people keep bringing up Chris Hogan. You guys got to remember Chris Hogan did not have a very good season last year. Um, they were, you know, we bring up um, Amendola. Amendola has not done what he did here uh, in his travels beyond. Um, I, I did, believe me, I'm the biggest Amendola fan that there is. And I wish that he had still, he was still here, but uh, those are the facts. They were trying to move on and trying to get younger and better. And it just hasn't gotten better yet. Right. And 
you know, part of the problem is we used to joke when they were winning, you know, seasons ago or whatever, that eventually they're going to bust out the all slot receiver offense, right? You know, they're going to have five slot receivers on the field. Well, they're doing it now because every wide receiver they have is best suited to be used out of the slot. Even Sanu, who's a bigger guy, even Harry, who's a bigger guy, he's a big slot guy. They've got four and five slot receivers. Somebody has to be the X. And right now that's fallen to Dorsett. And he's not suited for that role. He's not. And, you know, when Dorsett was having, you know, the numbers and the production earlier in the year, he was doing it because he had Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown on the field as well. So he's getting covered by CB4. Now he's seeing CB2. And things change. There's been this sort of, you know, waterfall effect, this butterfly effect of, well, now he's seeing CB2. And guys like Myers, now he's seeing CB3 or Harry's seeing CB3. And it's not matchups they can win right now, given their skill set, their level of experience, or lack thereof. And Antonio Brown is not coming back, friends. He's not coming back. Josh Gordon is not coming back. But the lack of having true wide receiver one and two type talents is having a snowball effect on this offense. That's a great point. Yep. You know, know, when you look at that, I mean – because, you know, I think there there is a definite lack of speed here. And not that they're a down-the-field throwing-the-ball team, but it helps when you have that guy, it, especially, you know, with the quick well, slants. The guy that, that like demands the, the double. Right. Well, no, the not, guy that know, demands so the double, double right now is Edelman. And right. Right. That's just but it. If, you know, if when you've you got ha- a guy you get in those, that can at yeah, least stress that safety in the middle of the field who isn't wearing 11 and makes you less hesitant to double Edelman. And so when it's right. third and six and Brady wants to throw that crossing route to Julian Edelman that everybody in the world knows he wants to throw, that free safety has to at least think, yeah, but I got this guy that can run the post route over the top. And if I break down on Edelman, I'm the idiot because I'm giving up a huge touchdown. They don't and have that guy Dorset, right now. And it's, it's not Dorsett. It's not Harry. Don't care. It's not Myers. It's, it's not nope. any of these guys. Maybe a Landon Roberts can do it because he's looking quick as a fullback. Maybe he right. can run a deep post route. For the love of God, can I just get somebody to run a post route on this offense? Anyone? Just anybody? Anyone? I almost got a wheel route on Sunday, and I was I was a little happy about that. Um, the second half. Um, James White was used yep. uh, a bit more. He was used well. Do you put that on the um, on Romeo Cornell? You know, kind of going into prevent, or was yeah. was did I miss something? And and they he was just uh, having a, a James White type of second half. I mean, I think it was a little bit of both. I, I think especially that touchdown drive at the end where mm-hmm. the Texas played really soft. I mean. Yep. That I think yeah, that was part like, of that. Yeah, but, that was baby food soft. Yeah, but White had had a very good game. You know, as far as silver linings to take away, I think White had a very good game. Some of his runs on the outside zone, which haven't been there pretty much all season, he was able to make those, you know, running through contact, which isn't really a trait he's known for. And so, you know, I've seen people say, well, why don't they just use White as a wide receiver now? And then that gives you slot receiver number six, number one. And, and number two – James White, when he was shut down in the first half, what was he going up against? He was going up against corners. Like White's effectiveness is when he's running these routes against linebackers and safeties. If you're right. using him as a wide receiver and he's going to draw a cornerback in coverage, that's not going to be as effective as we saw in the first half of this game. Now, what could happen potentially in an 
absolute rosy scenario is now Dorsett sees what cornerback three because you put corner two and put it over James White. So maybe it frees up Philip Dorsett. That's a roll of the dice. I, I think you leave James White where he is and try to get those favorable matchups. I would have liked to have seen, uh, and I know we're kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall here, but you know more of that pony package with White and Burkett on the field at the same time. I yep. think that would have given them some things to think about. You know, if you're going to use a corner on one of the running backs, are you going to do it uh, against James White? Fine, but now you've got Burkett on a linebacker. You know, I, I think that's a matchup they could have taken advantage of, as opposed to say Matt Lacoste on a linebacker. And so, uh, I think they should have tried that, run that twenty personnel package a bit more. But again, just, I'm just an idiot with a microphone. I don't know what I'm talking yep. about. <laughs> you and me, you and me both, and and just you know a little more Brandon Bolden. Yeah, a little more Brandon Bolden said here first. Well, said here often. You, Kiss my ass, Dave Brown. Um. <laughs> you're, you're, you're hardly an idiot with the microphone, Mark. But uh, you know, one one of the things I was wondering about, you know, when when you're seeing some of the things that we would been talking about, would some of these bunch formations work? You know, when you put Edelman and you know you maybe put the three guys together in near the line of scrimmage and get somebody open. I'm wondering if they could do more of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you've certainly got to try it. I mean, they, we know they have so many bunch formations and route concepts and rub concepts in their playbook. You know, I I don't know why they didn't try more of that. I don't know if it was just a game plan specific thing. I mean, when you look at what Kansas City is going to do, a team that's been playing a lot more sort of man coverage over the past couple of seasons and the defense is getting better and a team that has struggled this season with rub concepts, with stack slots. I mean, if you want to see the way to carve up Kansas city, go back to when Houston did it. They put right. 15 and 10 and a stack slot. I think three straight plays at the end of that game when they needed to run up the clock and they just couldn't cover it. They, they couldn't cover it. And so I think that's what you have to do this week. You've got to get some bunches, some rubs. You got to run some pick plays. You got to, I'm not saying cheat, but if you're not rubbing, you're not racing. And so right. look, you've got to create, well, they some do it more than anyone. You know, that's what you've got to do right now. If you can't get these guys open, you got to scheme them open a bit. Get, you know, Harry a rub situation where he can go downfield. Get Edelman one of these. Like You've got to try these things because what we saw on Sunday night didn't work. Yeah, it really didn't. And I defended Harry uh, a bunch of times early, you know, in, in his season saying that, that he – He's not that X guy that that is going to burn people. He's the guy that needs to body people up and go up in high point and yeah. bring the ball down and 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 get his yards after the catch after that off of off of bodying people up. But he he had one shot to do it Sunday and they didn't give him another one and that that really pissed me off because Tom thinks you know it cost him seven points. And uh, but the other thing I, I wanted to get to. Is is yes, we, we're going to flip it over and, and talk a little Kansas City, but before we do, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry that I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> I was listening to Mark and and pulling in everything he said, and I and I lost my next question. Yeah, um, uh, you, maybe you have the flu too. Yeah, yeah, going you, around. You, no, no. You know, a little mad cow disease, but um, why why not move Edelman outside the hash marks if he's going to drag if he's going to be demanding that double team and use that to open up the uh, the middle of the field and and God it, it, just because you put him out there doesn't mean you have to throw it to the short little munchkin. Yeah, I Cosworth said that live, and I thought it was a brilliant point. 
you know, Collinsworth is actually very, very good at this. Collinsworth and Roma, I think, are very good color analysts. And, mm-hmm. you know, Collinsworth saw that live. He said, look, you know, they've, they've been doing it a couple of times, putting them outside the numbers. And one one time when he brought it up, they still doubled him when he was outside. The, that's why I thought, look, if you get some of these formations where you go basically Edelman ISO with him as the one receiver and then three by one and put White to that same side of the formation, if you want to take three guys and cover those two to just one side of the field, fine. Then you're going to get one-on-one matchups, and you'd think somebody could win a one-on-one matchup away from that. And so I thought they should have done more of that. If Now, maybe it's a Brady circle of trust then. Maybe Brady doesn't feel comfortable taking Edelman and using him as a decoy. Mm-hmm. But in a game adjustment like that, you might have to do it. And so take 11, put him outside, say, look, your job right now, what you have to do, is to just draw two defenders and just take them away from where we want to go with the ball. I, I thought right. they could have turned to that a little bit more. It's, it comes down to the fact that the, the Patriots playbook is war and peace or the, the Iliad and, and the Odyssey. And, and right. these kids are it, still reading Dick and Jane books. And it, it's it's not fair to put it all on them. And go ahead, Steve. <laughs> just do that, you know? No, it's like, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time, you know, Casting too much blame on the rookies at this point. I mean, yep. I think right now they're they're you know they're struggling obviously, and it has nothing to do with OTAs. Stop talking about no. OTAs, oh, people. Yeah, that's, please I mean, just shut up. You know, uh, everyone acts like you head. know. Yeah, everyone acts like oh well, if Tom had been to OTAs, everything would be rosy. Uh, <laughs> I hate to break it to people, but there was like I think three passing days of practice that he missed. Okay, so I mean, calm down with that. And they've just because he's been not the... there doesn't mean they're not running these concepts. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. who's throwing the ball. If you're a wide receiver, you need to learn against. Oh, on, on this Y follow concept, I have to break inside or outside, defending on leverage. Did I mention the quarterback's name in that sentence? No, it doesn't matter who's <laughs> throwing it. It could be a jugs machine. All you have to do is learn what you're supposed to do. Right. Exactly. And. uh but you know, at the same time, I think these these rookies are a little tentative right now because they're afraid, you know, of of drawing the wrath. And they they read everything, they see everything that's in social media, and you know, everyone's saying, "Well, they these guys can't do this, they can't do that." And I think they're a little tentative right now. And I, I think they need to have just one of those games where they you know can get open, get a bunch of points, get a bunch of catches, and I think it'll calm things down a lot. Yeah. But you know, hey, what do, again? What do I know? Yeah, we're just three idiots <laughs> with three microphones in front of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Go ahead, Murph. I'm Larry. This is my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. Welcome to One <laughs> yeah. Patriots Place. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just got all right. But if I was um, a smart guy, I wouldn't be staring out the window at like four feet right. of snow in front of my right. You know, yeah, that's my window thing. right now. <laughs> I've always I've always felt that that um, Stefan Gilmore you you put him on anybody and he's going to have a fantastic day. He's shown it in the past. He's he's without a doubt the best um, at what he does right now in the NFL. He might not have had a great game on on this past Sunday, but he's going to have another challenge uh, this week with Mister Hill. Uh, how do you think he's going to set up for that? Is is, is Gilmore going to be on Hill all day long? Is he going to be uh, chasing him all over the field? I, I don't know. This this feels to me like one of those old school Belichick game plans where 
you take Gilmore and you put him on Watkins, and then you take Jonathan Jones, you put him on Hill because of the speed factor yep. with dedicated safety help over the top, probably in Duran Harmon. And I think you're going to see similar with Travis Kelsey. I mean, we know how Belichick feels about the tight end position, how he's terrified of the tight end that can do everything and beat you. We saw it last year at times where they would bracket or double or even triple Kelsey at times. So you might see something similar with Chun and Devin McCourty, you know, spying him a little bit over the top. And so it's going to be a different week. You know, the guy to worry about is Hardman. You know, I, yeah. I think, you know, they're finding ways to get him involved. And so there might be some situations where you've got both Hill and Hardman on the field. That's a ton of speed to contend with. So you hope Jason McCourty can be back for this because, you know, having him. There's my next question. And then (laughs) it's one of those weeks, friends. We don't get them too often. But you got to worry about a fullback. Anthony Sherman, they use him in the passing game. They will move him around a bit. I'm already having some nightmares of, you know, Juwan Bentley or Landon Roberts trying to cover him on wheel routes out of the backfield or out of the wing. And that's also something to keep in mind. Look, Andy Reid can do a lot schematically. We know Patrick Mahomes can do a lot from an athletic and, you know, just a throw and ability standpoint. This is going to be a tough matchup. The defense is playing better. Um, I still think New England can win this game, but they're going to put up some points. And the question is, can New England put it up enough as well? What's the best way for them to attack this team? You know, I think you've got to get pressure on them. Their offensive line is a bit in flux. They've had some guys Mm -hmm. in and out of the lineup. I think you want to probably bring some pressure at times. You have to still confuse Patrick Mahomes at times, which you can do. Look, I know it's year three for him, but year two as a starter. The window is closing for the time you can confuse this kid because he's figuring it out. He's... He was a smart kid coming out. Look, again, yeah. he was my QB2 in that draft class because I loved what he was doing at, at Texas Tech and their offense with Clinsbury. They were asking him to do a lot. There were a, a ton of route adjustments and conversions in that offense down there at Lubbock. So, look, he's a smart kid. He's obviously got the ta- all the talent in the world. I think you've got to make him, you know, execute and extend and go out there and deliver 10, 12, 13 play drives. I think if you give them the one-and-done, you know, 67-yard shot play, that's not what you're going to do to win this game. I think you've got to make Patrick Mahomes go out and beat you by throwing it, you know, 10 times a drive, all sorts of check downs and things like that. You know, if he's going to check the ball down to Damian Williams and Anthony Sherman out of the backfield on swing routes or flat routes or arrow routes, fine. Give him that. But don't give him the easy throws. Don't give him the deep stuff downfield. If you think back to the regular season game last year, you probably remember the deep shot play to Tyree Kill crossing from right to left where they triple teamed Travis Kelsey, I believe, and they just had them one-on-one against Jones over the top. You can't give them the the one-play drives. You've got to have them you know, execute 10, 12, 14-play drives in Gillette yep. to beat you. That's what you got to do. Give them the opportunity to screw up more yeah. and more and more, and, and, yeah. and that's it. And and I wholeheartedly agree with that. On the other side of the ball, do you think this is a game where um, I, I believe that Rex Burkhead is going to get a lot of work early and often? Yeah, I, I think this is a running back game. You know, I think the secondary has gotten better. You know, you look mm-hmm. at some of the additions they made there. Juan Thornhill is a nice safety for them, the, the kid out of Virginia. Well, Kendall Fuller is a nice corner. They, they've tired Matthew, you know, is a nice, strong safety type. He'll get it done when he needs to. Yeah, I think you've got to look at, you know, picking on their linebackers a bit. I think you need to get Burkhead involved. I think you need to get White involved. I think you need to run the ball a bit as well. 
And it wouldn't surprise me to see them go to more of a tempo look early, try to wear down that front. Because with Jones, with Clark, you know, they can get after the passer a bit. And so mm-hmm. I, I think you sort of need to, you know, wear down that front, run the ball a bit, use the tempo to slow them down a bit, take the approach you had against Baltimore in the second half of that game. You know, that's probably going to be what you have to do on offense. I agree. Steve, you got anything? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, I mean, when when you're looking at, you know, Patrick Mahomes this week, do you see them maybe blitzing him a little bit more than they did last week against Deshaun Watson? Because they didn't really blitz much last week. Yeah, they didn't blitz much. And even when they did, you know, the touchdown to Stills came on a zero blitz look. No, yep. I, I I think blitzing Mahomes is something you probably want to do at times. I think you want to pick your spots with it. Um mm-hmm. But you don't want to rely on it too much because, again, he's athletic enough where if you don't get home because he creates, you know, what's that old expression? If you go zero blitz and you don't get home, the band's going to play, you know, because he's going <laughs> to be able to extend. And I'm stealing that. I stole that from Rod Gilmore. That's not my own creation. So, okay. Well, but- no. Kudos. That it's was a great it's one. the the same kind of thing. Like if you're gonna you gotta pick your spots, you you should you probably want to blitz him and force him to some quick throws because again, it doesn't gonna give him a chance to hit something deep down the field. But you gotta pick your spots when you do it. Fantastic. Good but, um I know it's really early in the week. Um do you have a prediction? I mean, I think they win. I, I mm-hmm. think the combination of a couple of factors. One, Kansas City's good but not dominant. You know, it's not the team that we saw last year. You know, it's a game at Gillette. And even when this Kansas City team was dominant last year, and then we can find a way to pull that one out of the end. Uh, I, so I think you've got that. I think you've had a week of, yes, everybody in the national media declaring the Patriots dead, done, and over. And that Belichick is going to use that. And let's face it, I don't think 12 is happy. I don't think 12 is happening at all right now. And, you know, he's hearing the same things. He's seeing the same things. He's going to want to go out and beat these guys. And think back to last year against Indianapolis. It was one of those games where Bruce Arians was in the booth, I think. I think it was that game. It was one of those games. And when Arians was in the booth for a Patriots game last year, he talked about how when Brady gets to go up against the young guys – that's what he wants to play his best because mm-hmm. the change in the guard and all that. And yeah, he lost to Lamar. He lost to Watson. I don't think he wants to lose to Mahomes, you know, again. And so no. after losing to Watson last week. And so I think you put these factors together. You know, I, I think this is going to be a game that New England Patriots come out on top. It's going to be close. The weather seems to be nice. It looks to be 42 and sunny. So we won't have that as a factor. I think the Patriots win it, but I think it's going to be like a 28-24 kind of game. I agree. I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree less. It's fantastic. That's exactly the way he's looking at it right now. Tom Brady is looking at life as you know his legacy not being set, and I, I believe that he's worried that you know people are just going to remember the last game that you played. Yeah. And um. And and that that's that's really. It's a, it's it's not a good mentality to go into into a football game with. It, it, it really isn't. I'm sorry. It's very rare that that I get on Tom for anything, but I think he needs to, you know, for lack of a, a better usage of 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 a, a quote, what Gronk said last week: "Sit back and enjoy the win." 
yeah. and he's not even doing that right now. And and I don't want to say it's about stats or anything else because that's not what it is. It's just Tom Perf- thinks that he looks bad out there. Yeah, but he's that- a perfectionist. He's a perfectionist. Right. He wants the offense to play well. The offense's job is to score touchdowns, and they're not doing it. And look, if they were scoring touchdowns by him handing the ball off 15 times a drive and not even throwing it, Tom would be giddy because they were right. doing their job as an offense. They're not holding up. And look, he can see it. This defense is being asked to come up time and time again to make stops, create turnovers. I can't tell you. I'm looking at my handwritten notes from the game when watching it live, and I can't tell you how many times at the start of a defensive drive I wrote, defense has to step up again. Defense needs to make a play. Defense, for the love of God, can I please get a turnover? Otherwise, I'm going to spend my night drinking myself to death (laughs) because that's what we're facing right now. The offense isn't holding up their end of the bargain, and that's what Brady's frustrated with. It's not stats. It's not, you know, how many touchdowns he's thrown, his A&Y, his CPOE, his EPA, or all the graphs, whatever. They're not scoring touchdowns as an offense. Right. That's what's frustrating them. That is. It, it is what's frustrating. It's what's frustrating uh, Patriots Nation. They, too many times sixes or threes, and, yep. you know, and I'm only counting it as six now because nobody in this fucking league can kick anymore. <laughs> No one. Nope. Nobody. <laughs> Not at all. It's, a, it's the no foot league. That's what NFL stands for. It's no longer no fun league. It's the no foot league because nobody. I'm telling you, Doug, Doug Flutie, bring him back. Drop kick. Yep. No, yep. just drop kick everything. We'll do that. Why not? Why the hell not? Mark, I want to thank you so much for being here this week and giving us this time. You, you've never, never said, you know, I can't make it then. I can't, or, you know, in. You'd have no idea how much that means to Steve and I. You're one of our favorite guests. Would you please tell everybody out there, everywhere where they can read you, everywhere where they can listen to your great podcasts? Well, guys, it's always a blast coming on, Steve. I hope your tooth is okay. I know you just might be going on the DL right now. As we, were, he's, yeah. he's gutting through a podcast with he, a broken tooth friends. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'll show Steve some love on the timeline yeah. and elsewhere. Um, I'm, best way I'm to sorry find about me. that. Yeah, but my, my mouth is all messed up right now. Right in the middle of the podcast, I broke my front tooth off. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a full content. This isn't full contact podcast and this is collision <laughs> podcasting friends we didn't go. tell you we were well when you you were talking about your notes i'm i was looking at mine from the game the same thing and i started grinding my teeth so oh, there you go um <laughs> in oh terms of following me if you want to follow along and i don't know why you would after the performance i just turned in on twitter <laughs> oh, at please. mark schofield the places i write inside the pylon pro football weekly matt waldman's rookie scouting portfolio three sb nation websites including big blue view bleeding green nation and pat's pulpit got the two podcasts the, the sco show on pat's pulpit the qb sco show on bleeding green nation if you're a fan of the minnesota golden gophers and you should be because they had a very good year. I cover them for the Rivals Network. I do scouting notebooks and podcasting over there as well. We don't know where they're going to be up for the bowl game because they missed out on a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship game. But for the two people out there listening that are Gophers fans, I do work for them as well. Go, go, Gophers. Watch them go, go, go. That's it. Every time every time I hear you start talking about them, the go, go, Gophers get in my head. Yep. And, and that, that was for everybody over the age of 50. PJ Flex, on the boat. <laughs> God, cartoons were so racist when we were kids, but they were they funny as shit. Were. Um, <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always a blast. It really is, man. I, I love having you here. I Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you again real soon. Of course, my friends. And folks, we will be back on Friday 
with our keys to the game. And um, hopefully Steve will have a, a nice smile for you. Get get to the dentist, man. Go to the dentist. <laughs> yeah. And so that Steve, put a bow on this and get us the hell out of here. <laughs> hey, Mark, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Always enjoy All your insight. And, yeah, and uh, great stuff. But, hey, for myself, Steve Balsuri, Thomas Murphy, all of us here at One Patriot Place and WBLZ Sports, we want to thank everyone for listening. We'll be back on Friday with our keys to the game and, yes, hopefully with a full set of choppers on there. So until then, we want to say, uh, hey, it's not over yet, folks. You know, you can criticize them when they play bad, but uh, they're far from done. So how about those 12 and 4 at the beginning of the year? I said 12 and 4, 13 and 3.